In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. With great joy and fasting was the prodigal son reconciled to it with his father. My theme this morning is reconciliation. In only four verses in the epistle from 2 Corinthians that we have read this morning, St. Paul has used the words reconcile, reconciling, and reconciliation five times. And jump right into it, let me say something that I know you know to be true. And that is that if you've ever craved for reconciliation with someone that you cared about and it has been denied, then you know about the emotional pain that comes with that. I've talked about it before. A woman in a previous parish, a woman in her mid to late 80s at the time, who had not heard from one of her sons in years, uh, her husband, the son's father, died in a nursing home. And the son, who lives somewhere in the Midwest, had told her emphatically many times, do not let my dad die in a nursing home. Bring him home so he can die there. And while the mother wrestled, perhaps procrastinated with how much she could uh, handle at home, <clears throat> the man died in the nursing home. And the son was so furious that he didn't even go to the funeral because she would be there. She was crushed. She loved him. She called him many times. He did not answer. He wrote to her, but she never answered. Her other son and daughter also wrote to him. He never responded. The mother asked that I write him. I wrote the son. And I said, this is killing your mother in the name of the church, in the name of Jesus. I beg you to forgive your mother. And he did write back a one-word response. Dear Reverend Limehouse, never. Now, obviously, the poor woman knew the pain of not being reconciled with someone she cared about. On the other hand... If you have been reconciled with someone that you really care about, then you know the beauty and you know the power of reconciliation as did the prodigal son in today's gospel. And this is precisely the power behind this passage that we have in 2 Corinthians. The Bible tells us that at one time the human man walked in peace, perfect peace with God. And then after the fall, which is described in Genesis chapter 3, we fled from God's presence. And since then, the unregenerate human race has lived in enmity against God. And let's be sure to realize that it is not a question of some minor misunderstanding that can be easily put right. This is the case of persistent sin. We We have not loved God above all else, not one single day in our lives. God is the party that has been trashed. Now think about it. When you trash someone, how do you go about making up? When reconciliation is really important to you, what do you usually do? Usually when we see reconciliation, it's kind of like the old song, well, I'm working my way back to you, babe, with a burning love inside. 
I mean, the first thing, person seeking reconciliation, in any quarrel, should the first should be the offending party, right? I mean, God is the party that has been trashed, and yet the shock of the gospel is that God himself took the initiative in many and various ways, but ultimately by sending his son into the world to die for sinners, that reconciliation might be possible. And thus, St. Paul could say, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, make God making his appeal through us. We beseech you then on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, of all men, St. Paul knew that he was a sinner, foremost of all the sinners. And yet, Paul also realized that he was an ambassador appointed by God. An ambassador does not come in his own name. He comes in the name of the one who sent him. An ambassador does not even come under his own authority, but under the authority of the person who sent him. He doesn't come with his personal opinion or philosophy. An ambassador comes with news, we might say, from the imperial palace. He himself may be weak, he himself may be struggling and broken, but who cares? It's the message from the imperial palace that matters. God in every age has raised up men and women to whom he has committed the same word of reconciliation. He has appointed those to speak who suffer themselves great infirmities and great need for forgiveness as those to whom he will speak. If I thought for one minute that I could climb up to this, that I need to climb into this pulpit with my own ideas of religion and with my own philosophies of how to get right with God, then I would run away from here like a scared rabbit. But no, God can use a struggling old sinner like me because the invitation and the possibility for reconciliation is all God's message. He sends forth his messengers, not to tell men how they may work their way back to God with a burning love inside, not that, but to announce what Jesus has accomplished and what remarkable transforming power does the message have. I'll never forget, one Sunday years ago I was administering Holy Communion and a woman I did not even know approached me at the communion rail with tears in her eyes and her countenance dropped And she reached out her empty hands to receive the bread. And she said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I leaned over and I whispered into into her ear, thou art forgiven. I'm not sure why I used the Elizabethan language, but that's what came out. (laughs) Nevertheless, I never forgot it. And the reason I never forgot it is because she sent me a letter later saying that that was a transforming moment in her Christian journey. But you see, this is the message that we preach. It's not my message. It's God's message. We beseech you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that through him we might be reconciled to God. Now, as I preached this morning, already at 7.30, and today at 11, and again at 5 this afternoon, I realized that many who are here uh, have been reconciled to God. And they know that it has come completely through God's initiative and grace. Others, however, honestly, may be more skeptical about accepting God's reconciliation on, 
on God's terms. See, if reconciliation is not on God's terms through his son, then the peace that you think you are experiencing isn't really peace at all. It's like the man who said, oh, yeah, man, my neighbor and I, we're 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 OK with each other. And then you go talk to the neighbor and he said, is that what that sleazeball said? Well, I tell you what, until he, he owes me something and until he pays up, he and I are not OK. But our objective uh, in all of our preaching is that you really can be reconciled to God and not pretend to be. And it doesn't matter what kind of old fool you think I am. We think I'm an old man who's losing it fast. It doesn't matter. I mean, people tell me from time to time, say, well, Frank, uh, you and I just have to agree to disagree. And I'm always quick to say, well, you know, that's fine. But I think you need to understand it's not me you're disagreeing with. It's the one who sent me. I simply come as a broken messenger. I have a message. And the message is not never like the letter that I received from that poor woman's son. No, this is the message. God loves you dearly. His reconciling hands marked with glorious scars reach out to you right about now. And all who come to him, he will in no wise cast out. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake. Amen.